Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, May 7th, the Cut It Yourself edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux a writer, contributor to Slate's Karen Feeding Parenting column, noted millennial, according to the New York Times, and mom to Naima, who is seven, and we reside in Los Angeles, California. I was gonna say New York because I forgot. That's how tired I am. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three boys, Henry eight, Oliver five, and Teddy three, and I'm located in Navarre, Florida. Hey, I'm Dan Coyce. I'm a writer at Slate. I'm the author of the book, How to Be a Family. I'm the dad of Lyra, who's 15, and Harper, who's 12, and we live in Arlington, Virginia. This week, we're answering a listener question from a mom whose stepmom wants to be called grandma. And while the letter writer is happy her stepmother wants to be so involved, how should she explain to her kids that their quote-unquote grandmother is not her biological mom who passed away? For our All Ages, Everyone is Fighting Now segment, How are you taking care of your hair when your family can't go to the salon or the barber? Well, we're going to talk to someone who's figured out a way to make it work. Nijay Graham Henrys, who at nine years old just might be the world's youngest female barber. She and her mom, Jamie, will be giving us tips on how to cut and manage your hair during quarantine. We'll have a timestamp in the show notes so families can find the segment. And as always, we'll have triumphs and fails and recommendations. Let's start with you, Elizabeth. Do you have a triumph or a fail for us this week? So I have a gardening triumph, but a life fail. I unintentionally led a sex education class in my garden (laughs) with my children. So as part of homeschool, we have like a garden. The kids asked if they could let a pumpkin from Halloween rot in the garden over the winter. I said, sure. Like thousands of little seedlets came up. I pruned a bunch of them. Now we have these three enormous pumpkin plants. Stuff has been growing here in Florida since like March. So the pumpkin plant has only been giving male flowers. And so, you know, the kids want a pumpkin. So I'm like Googling what to do. And it says you have to go out there and basically make the plant believe that it's being pollinated. So I've been out there with like a paintbrush, having the kids help me like swish on the male with a paintbrush on the male flower. Okay, we finally get a female flower, but there's no pollinators. So again, the children and I watch a video on what to do. And there's like a little, you know, in the bottom of the YouTube, like I print out exactly what to do. We go out there and my Henry, the eight-year-old, reads out loud as we do the following steps. So the female flowers must be pollinated early in the morning when they choose to open. So we go out there and we're like looking. There's one female flower. She chooses to open like around 10. Then you have to remove a few of the male flowers from their stems, then actually peel back the flower to show the little stamen, and then you have to rub the center of that against the female flower center to transfer the pollen onto the female ovaries, okay? I'm worried this is too hot for radio. Yeah, so my children, we all go there, we all get a male flower, 
we all peel it back. And do you know what it looks like in the center? It looks like a penis. Yeah. <laughs> and all of my children are like, this looks like our penis. And I'm like, yes, yes, it does. And it carries the pollen. And we are going to put this into the female flower. My kids, you know, grew up in the Netherlands. They had more sex education than a child here might get. But I'm not really sure that they ever covered, like they covered parts and they covered kind of generally how things work, but the actual action of how to insert like the male part into the female part was never covered. Well, we have now covered that because each of them needed to take a turn pollinating. And as this happens, I just completely lose track. I'm like, realize that I'm teaching the sex education class. And then I become very uncomfortable because we like have all these lessons that I think should be attached to that. And they're like comparing this to their penis. Anyway, I end up kind of talking about consent with this flower. <laughs> and we're like all holding the male flowers. And then we're all taking turns pollinating the same female flower. And then step three says, tie the female flower shut to ensure that hand pollination remains uncontaminated. So... <laughs> I, I think everyone left confused. I'm confused. We asked the flower for consent to give it a pumpkin. It didn't give consent. I mean, uh, no, <laughs> it did not speak to me. We pollinated it anyway. I will be untangling this for years to come, but I hopefully will be growing pumpkins. So gardening success, life failure. Those pumpkins will be the children of sin, Elizabeth. Well, yes. I mean, the one flower was pollinated by at least three male flowers that we know of. Yeah. So yeah. it's anyone's guess. All I can think about is like, I just know Elizabeth is going to send me some pumpkin bread. I just know that's where this story is. <laughs> it might be six months down the line, but I'm getting pumpkin bread. I will. I will. I'll send you some pumpkin bread and you will know the pumpkin's origin story. <laughs> yes, I'll feel very close to these pumpkins. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The sex pumpkins. That's wonderful. Dan, what did you fail at this week? This week I failed at nutrition. <laughs> it was Lyra's birthday last week and her two best friends did an extremely sweet thing, which is that they came over in the morning and stood at a far away distance from Lyra in our backyard with a bucket of water balloons. And so they were like, you know, in a triangle in our backyard and they surprised Lyra wished her happy birthday, and then did a water balloon quiz in which they asked Lyra questions. And then if she got them right, she got to hit them with water balloons. If she got them wrong, they got to hit her with water balloons. It was very charming. Lyra was delighted by it. At the end of it, they gave her her present, which was just a, just a case of dots that they got at Costco. You know, dots, the movie theater candy that no one over the age of, I guess, 15 oh, no. likes. But Lyra loves them. She really likes that truly terrible candy, even though she has braces and is not actually even allowed to eat them. She loves dots. And so we said, you know what? It's your birthday. You can have these dots. It's fine. But, you know, you just need to be really careful. Please brush your teeth really well after you eat them. Please, you know, don't eat a lot at once. Ration them out. Make it last. That was last Wednesday on her birthday. And on Sunday... We found in the garbage can in Lyra's room all 24 boxes of tots because <laughs> no. she'd eaten all 24 of them. Oh, my God. In five oh, days. No. no. She'll oh, never no. eat one again, though. This is good. She's I was going to say, it's over. It, I mean, it's remarkable <laughs> to me that her jaws even can open, that they're not glued shut by dots. 
Or just like the pain after you're chewing something like that for so long. <laughs> and I thought this would be like, uh, oh, you're going to smoke a cigarette. I'm going to make you smoke a whole pack of cigarettes situation. But it wasn't like that at all. She would eat 24 more boxes of dots right now if we got them for it. Like really? happily. She has suffered no ill effects whatsoever. <laughs> She's completely happy. And she like didn't, and I guess this is great that she didn't even have any shame about it. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't try to hide the evidence. She just put it all right in her garbage can. And then when we saw it, we were like, what the, you ate all of those? She goes, oh yeah, they were great. So oh, her birthday dreams came true. <laughs> they really did. They really did. Every time I've binged on any food like that, it's been the end of me and that food at the very least for a long time. Like we definitely ate at least 80 to a hundred half ounce bags of pirate's booty in the first month of the quarantine. <laughs> like mm -hmm. we were responsible for it not being in stock in place. Like, we got a box of like 32 of the little tiny, you know, they have the, the one ounce bags. So we went through a bunch of those and then we got the half ounce bags. Like I got like a 32 box of the half ounce bags. And like, I didn't even tell Naima they were here for a long time. Like, I don't know they'll ever eat Pirate's Booty again. And so the Lyra could still eat dots. I can't even eat dots after hearing that. Aside from being over. <laughs> All right. I'll never, I'll touch never them. touch them again. Aside from right. being over 15. What's funny is that when you were talking, I was thinking, you know, Lyra is my favorite. And there's sure. an old black tradition of having an auntie who is better equipped to take care of your kids, like take your kid. So you let Lyra's friends throw coronavirus water balloons at her and she ate 24 boxes of dots. So I think the give me a break reboot is going to be you sending Lyra to Inglewood for a few months so I can protect her <laughs> until it's safe for her to return to school. <laughs> I'm worried. She'll just overdose on pirate's booty at your house. She will. And, and we. <laughs> <laughs> right. At least the dots in our house are not laced with anything. <laughs> My house is childproof. It's not teenager proof. Because there's things that kids can't access <laughs> that teenagers very quickly. Their little spidey senses will be like, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, Jamil, what about you? Trying for fail this week. This week, I have a fail, as always in great part because there was a car that I had my eye on and it slipped through my fingers. I'd sent an inquiry to the dealer and it was available and I kind of hesitated and they were doing online delivery, but I'm just like, do I really, is this how I'm going to have to buy a car? Like I'm trying to wait, but then I'm also like, ah, you very easily could like waste the money you saved for a car on Pirate's Booty if you don't like buy one now. Like I would feel better having a car, you know? And also what if I do spend my car money on Pirate's Booty? And so the car slipped through my fingers. So there are any sponsors that are out there like, man, I've really been trying to figure out a way to make a car commercial work for mom and dad are fighting. I'm going rogue. <laughs> Nobody at slate.com has approved this, but I mean myself, Jamila, no people here. And I could ask them if you could have your car commercial and all you have to do is pay for the car commercial ad space and also give me a car perhaps. So just something to think about. But I really liked this car and I'm bummed out about it. Do you think the lesson is like, don't hesitate? Next time, like next time, are you just going to get the car? I don't know. Or are you still going to be worried and nervous about it? I'm still going to be worried and nervous because another one that was like similar and similar price bracket, like went like a week later. And so I was like, wow, it happened to me again. So this is probably going to keep happening. But the other one I'd watch for a while. But like you kind of need a car now more than you did before, right? Because I mean, like your options for you to feel safe to get out and yeah. as things relax 
are less. Yeah. No, I definitely don't want to have to like Uber. I mean, I could say I'm going to just take a day and go to it. You know what I mean? Like identify a few cars that I wanted to see. And this is just the day yeah. I go out and see cars. But I think I am going to end up probably having to get something sent here unless I manage to just wait until never. <laughs> <laughs> or I just don't get a car. Yeah. I mean, the two options here are get a car or don't get a car. Yeah, like Naima's dad had to take me to CVS. He didn't have to, but I asked him to take me to CVS the other day to pick up prescriptions. I had to go into a brick and mortar store. That was going to be my fail because I was just like, man, but I was like, well, I didn't have a choice. Like they wouldn't deliver the prescriptions that they had to pick up myself. Jamila. Yeah. Buy a car. Okay. I agree. It's going to be yeah. okay. This week, buy a car. Okay. I'm going to try really hard. It's going to have a warranty or something. Like, you're, you're not going to be stuck with something. I yeah. know, I know. It's just so, like... And once yeah. you get used to the car, it'll be your car. And it'll be fine. I know. You can do it. <laughs> I can do it. I just want to really like I'm it. I'm getting real vibes of an age-old um, Mom and Dad are Fighting episode where Allison's fail was about how she just hated opening the mail. <laughs> she hated opening the mail so much, and so did her husband, John. And so they would just let the mail pile up for, like, months on their table and so like they learned that they like missed their child's graduation ceremony and you know as all this shit happened to them and the solution was so obvious which was just open the mail and i inspired her on the show by yelling at her to just open the mail for i think like even a month it made her life so much better before she fell back but if i can inspire you jamila to just buy the car i'll have really accomplished something this week okay I will buy the car within a fortnight. All right. When it goes bad, it's not my fault. <laughs> Just send us a picture of what you're buying and we'll cheer you on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Dan, can you help me buy it on Zoom? Like, yeah! Because the whole yes! point was that I need... Bring Dan on Zoom! Because, I listen, this is actually a great idea because the whole part... This is such a good idea. Because my plan all along was to bring a guy with me. You know, like, I went to one uh -huh. dealership to check some stuff out because I was thinking... At that time, I had a different uh, make and model in mind. And I was like, okay, I'm going to test drive it, but I'm probably not going to buy it from there. But let me just... And so I turned into such a television stereotype of a woman at a car dealership. Like, the only thing I could come up with just, like, pure aggression. Like, you can't play me. But, like, I just sounded like a person who knew nothing. <laughs> After months and months of researching, I just turn into a so it's got one two three four wheels okay this is nice you know like it was so bad and so I was like okay, I'm gonna definitely bring a guy with me because I just I like the idea of being taken advantage of by a used car dealer is just so deeply ingrained in my head from every 80s and 90s sitcom ever that was just such a thing used car dealers right it's just in my head like they are there to take advantage of you that's the only thing they know how to do they're gonna mess you up somehow if you don't have some help so if I could zoom in, not just any man, but a white man? I would be happy to, but the thing I will warn you is that I also, in car buying experiences, revert to the stereotype of uh, a woman you in did. The, the car dealership. You did. you did in the book. I forgot about that. You totally fought that in the yes, book. You, you read a whole book about how bad I have at buying cars. <laughs> you completely fell apart. Okay, Jamila, I, yes. I volunteer my husband. We bought our van <laughs> used, and he walked out of the dealership and the dealership had to pay to find his phone number to call him back to offer us a lower price because he walked out after, I think, doing some of the paperwork and then just deciding, yeah, you know, I should get this lower. So I'm totally serious. I mean, he's also like a, an aerospace engineer. <laughs> yeah, so he, he, and he has, you know, he just, he believes that he's right a lot. So he, he he's the guy for you. We're going to get great. you a car. 
It's great. I have I'm a holiday. serious. I'm serious. I'm too. so serious. Yes. We'll report back. Yeah. I'll pick out the car and just send you a link. And he can like, if he would be willing to do this, it'd be so great. Like he could just send the email and make the inquiry and like talk to yeah. them. And once they've agreed on a price, he's like, okay, my business manager, Jamila is going to take care of all the details. And I'm yeah. the business manager, Jamila. No, he'll probably say, I work for her. My boss is, oh. is going to come pick it up. I like okay? this. I'm serious, though. Well, let's talk offline. He, we're going to get you a car. I love this. <laughs> I cannot this wait so for good. the update it's on It's going to be both of our tryouts. This will be the biggest triumph. I mean, it this won't be, be mine, other than volunteering him. <laughs> I appreciate how you keep your family engaged. Like, last week, <laughs> you had your little one call Lynn, and then you were like, hey, what's he, is that my child? This is great. That was also Jeff, I think. But yes, but, um, <laughs> like I said, I'm totally serious. Let's do this. I'm with it. This is great. I can't wait. I endorse this. Let's move on to some business and then wrap up this whole podcast thing so I can get my car. Slate's parenting newsletter is the best place to be notified about all of our parenting content, including mom and dad are fighting, care and feeding, and much more. Sign up at slate.com backslash parenting email. Also, check us out on Facebook. Just search for Slate Parenting. It's a really fun, very active, very supportive community, at least of me. Thank you. Plus, we moderate it so it doesn't get out of control. It's a safe space as long as you're nice. And we also have a new weekly care and feeding live show with Nicole Cliff. It's on Slate's Facebook page every Tuesday live at 11 Eastern time. If you want to go watch past episodes, you can find them on Slate's YouTube page. I'm going to interrupt here briefly and just say that the show is hilarious and great. And Nicole is a natural at the weird art of being on video and just talking nonstop and never not being entertaining. I watched this week's episode and it was great. Check it out. We'll also post it not only on the Slate Facebook page, but on the Slate Parenting Facebook page. In Slate Plus today, the Waves co-host Marsha Chatlin will be joining us to talk about the pandemic's impact on adoption, fostering, and surrogacy. Here's a quick sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. Those are those like bureaucratic moments that make you feel so overwhelmed. You're like, God, how can I have a kid when I can barely like notarize a document properly? But I think those are the things that are the unexciting part of it, but also is a lot of this process. And so this is the time to kind of learn how to do those things. To hear segments like that and to get ad-free podcasts, sign up for Slate Plus. It's just $35 for your first year. And as you may know, a lot of media companies are struggling right now and Slate is no exception. So now more than ever, we'd really appreciate the direct support of all the great content that Slate puts out. And besides ad-free podcasts, Slate Plus members won't hit a paywall on the site. So you can enjoy all Slate's journalism without worrying if you've reached your article limit. If you'd like to support Mom and Dad are Fighting, we'd really appreciate it. Go to slate.com backslash mom and dad plus and join Slate Plus today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. 
Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. On to this week's listener question. And as always, it's being read by the incomparable Shasha Leonard. Dear mom and dad, Eight years ago, my mother passed away from cancer. Eight months ago, I gave birth to twin baby girls. My dad and stepmother were very excited to be grandparents. We had conversations about what they would like to be called, you know, grandma or nana, grandpa or pop, etc. When having this conversation with my dad, my stepmother chimed in and said she would like to be grandma. I am happy for my stepmother to play a big part in my daughter's lives, to be a grandmother to them. But it got me thinking about how to explain to my girls that their grandma is not my mom. How do I explain to them about my mother without overloading them with the concept of death at a too young age? I don't want to forget her or erase her from history. And I don't want to pretend to them that my stepmother is my mother. I know it's a long way off, but how do I have this conversation with them? And when? What's in a name? Dan, what do you think? I think... You are worrying way too much about this. It is going to be okay. And here's why. From day one, you will call your stepmother grandma when you talk about her to your daughters. As soon as they can talk, they will call their grandmother, which is what she truly is, grandma. And at some point well down the line, they will just basically have absorbed that this is the relationship between all of these people and it will be completely natural. And then also at some point down the line, maybe when they're three, maybe when they're four, you will mention for what seems to you at the moment, like the first time, oh, you know, I, you know, your grandmother is my father's wife. Unfortunately, my mother died before you were born, but she loves you so much and she's a part of our family just the same as everyone else. And you will discover that in fact, that information has always been encoded into the structure of your family. I think that you're putting a lot of focus on there's going to be a moment of revelation in which your daughters receive this information with the same kind of shock and sadness with which you are still processing it, understandably so. But to them, it is just going to be another piece of information about the way that your family works and has always worked and the relationships they have with people who are here and who aren't here, and that they've always had with people who are here and who aren't here. People have this conversation about death with their kids all the time. I think it's always very, very fraught and and worrisome for parents. But I think the first version of this conversation with the kids is almost always much smoother and much easier than parents are worried it's going to be. You convey this information. You don't have to go into great specifics about it, but you simply tell them what the situation is, and they're going to be so young that it's not going to be scouring or upsetting. It is instead going to just be another piece of information about the world that they take in and process. But do you guys think that I am underestimating how difficult these twins might eventually find this conversation to be? I don't disagree that the conversation is not difficult because like you, I think it comes up naturally. Like even when everyone's alive and you have you know, two sets of married grandparents, what happens is that kids ask like, well, who is grandpa again? Or who is Opa? And you're like, oh, well, Opa is your dad's dad. And I think that in that conversation, 
it's very easy to say, you know, grandma is married to my father. Right. My mother has passed away. We made our children what we called their baby Facebooks, and we just printed photo books with pictures of all the people that we felt like we would want them to see their faces. And I think that something like this is a great opportunity to include a photo of your mother and to be able to say, this is grandma or whatever you decide to call your mom, and also include a picture of um, your father and his new wife and be able to say, this is whatever you're calling them. I do, however, think that thinking about what to call your stepmom can be very upsetting to you. And I think it is okay to feel like I don't want her to be called grandma. And I can't tell from the letter if you, if that is the situation or you're okay calling her grandma, but you're more upset about like how to place your mom. But I think that it sounds like you have a whole bunch of people who love you and love your children. And if the situation is one in which you are uncomfortable with her being grandma, what I would do is ask the stepmom's advice. And I would go to her and I would say, I want to find a way to honor my mom with the kids. And I would like you to help me do that. Because I think that brings her in on the conversation. She wants that too. She is not attempting to take the place of your mom. And I think bringing her in to come up with a solution, that could be that, you know, they're both grandma and you're doing the Facebook thing and you're talking about them. It could be that you make them grandma first name. So there's grandma, who's your mom, and then, you know, grandma Pat or whatever, she may have another solution to that. If it is a issue that you don't feel comfortable with it, that is an okay way to feel. And that if you have a conversation about it in a way that is like, I want to solve this so that my kids feel loved and I feel loved and we're honoring her memory. I also think you should keep in mind that there is a chance that your children will choose to call these people something that you never thought to call them. Uh, we have definitely had that happen. One of my children called my dad grumpy for the longest time. He is not a grumpy man, but that is what they decided to call him. And, you know, my youngest also called both parents grandma for a long time. Like no matter who you were, you were grandma. Sometimes you don't get to make those choices, but there are ways to incorporate your mom. And I think Dan, like you said, the talking about her will be so natural. There are photos of her there are things of her. But I also think it's okay to say like this name is reserved and it, it hurts me to have this other person called grandma and to, and to figure out a solution to that. I don't know. Jamila, what do you think? I think that that's great advice from both of you. And I, I love the idea of uh, bringing in the stepmother, you know, taking her consult on what's the best way to proceed. I think it is allowing her to do the work of a grandmother in that moment. And that's important that you're able to connect with her as she does grandmotherly deeds, because she is going to be the person who's performing the role of grandmother in the earthly sense. But it'll be through your stories of your mother, through those photo projects that she lives in the minds of your children as your mother. So they won't experience her as a grandmother, unfortunately, but they will come to know of her as someone who cared for you. And they will come to understand, hopefully, who she was through her influence on you, the stories she told, the perfume that she wore, the places that you all went together, right? That is going to establish her identity and their connection to her, the things they have in common with her, you know, like maybe you, they have the same eyes or they like wearing, you know, a similar type of lipstick or any number of things that can connect them to this person. And 
it's okay. It's actually, it, it's really great that your father has someone to care for and that, you know, your, your children have someone to play the grandmotherly role, you know, as, as somebody who lost some of my grandparents pretty early in life. And I see my daughter who's seven interacting with my mother and her father's mother and her step grandmother on her, from her stepmother, you know, I, I just, hope that she gets to have that experience as long as possible because so many, you know, kids don't have grandparents at all or completely disconnected for them. So I'm, I'm sorry that your mother is not there physically to be a part of this process in this way, but it it sounds like you've got a really beautiful situation with somebody who's able to be a surrogate in many ways. And as long as you're open with her about any discomfort or, you know, awkwardness that you're feeling, I think you all can take it on together. Thank you so much, Letter Writer. We appreciate you. And, you know, we're always happy to have an update. So stay in touch and let us know how this works out. Other listeners, if you want to have us consider one of your questions on air, please help us help you by sending your conundrums to mom and dad at slate.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, now it's time for our all-ages segment. Everyone is fighting now. So if there's been one minor thing that pretty much anyone can bond over during the pandemic, it's the lack of access to the things we usually do to keep ourselves up aesthetically. People are letting their roots show, professionally done nails have either come off or gotten chipped. I have gel polish left on two toes because I ran out of nail polish remover while I was trying to take it off and I can't get it shipped to my house, so I just have to let it come off on its own. It's terrible. Perhaps most commonly, people are talking about how long their hair has gotten. Some of us are just toughing it out, while others have decided to chop it themselves. Elizabeth, you almost had a self-haircut situation in your household last week. Tell us about it. Yes, my three-year-old got a hold of the haircutting stuff that was left out on the counter. And luckily, one of the other children alerted me. So I came in and he was holding all of the haircut stuff. And I... uh, lost my mind on him. It does turn out that Jeff had cut his hair. So the hair that I had found on the ground leading to the believing that it was him. But I mean, the situation could have been so much worse. It definitely could have gone down much, much worse. (laughs) (laughs) So while most of us parents would be pretty nervous about letting our kids cut their hair, let alone anyone else's, today we are joined by Miss Nijay Graham-Henrys, who is nine years old and is the world's youngest female barber, apparently, as well as her mother, Jamie Graham. Welcome to the show, Nijay and Jamie. Hi. Hi. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. Can you tell us about how you got interested in, is it called barbary or barbering? Barbering. Barbering? Yeah. Okay. Tell us how you got started. Okay. I wanted to be a barber to make money. 
course. Yes, that makes sense. My brother, he was at a barber orientation and he didn't want to do it. So my mom showed me some pictures on IG, aka Instagram. And mm -hmm. I asked if I could do it and she said, yeah. That's awesome. So what did you have to gather to get started? Did you get like a book? Did you learn on YouTube? Like, how did you learn how to cut hair? From an instructor, the academy, Junior Barber Academy. Oh, so you went to the Barber Academy instead of your brother? Instead of him. Wow. And I take it, were you the youngest person in the class? Yes. How often did you have to go to class? About every Saturdays. Every Saturday. That's a very impressive commitment. I don't even want to share you. I want to just talk to you all day long. Um, but I'm going to allow my co-host to also ask some questions about your barbering work. Nijay, I have um, three little boys plus my husband who all need their hair cut. And um, I'm not very good at that. Do you have any advice for me? So my husband's in the Air Force, so we do a buzz cut. And my boys just have wild hair now. So how can I get started? Like when I can't take them right now to the haircut place, what can I do here at home? You could watch a video. I should go to YouTube. Is that my best bet? Yeah. Or maybe just like schedule an appointment with an instructor that can help you with a Skype or just try to do it yourself the best you can. Okay. So when I'm trying to do it and I use the... Um, guards on the clippers right if I want to do kind of like a fade I feel like that is what they all usually get so am I going to use like a, a shorter one on the back a two guard a two guard on the back and then am I what am I using on the top well you normally don't really want to do the top or we'll, we'll get messed up more that would explain a lot of the problem I'm having okay so a two on the back kind of leave the top Around the ears, do you have any tips? I'm so worried about cutting their ears. And you know, you never want your barber to be nervous. So fold back the ear. Okay, so fold back the ear and run the two kind of around it. Also a one. Oh, or okay. So basically in the back, so the first one you use is, well, to me, you use a one and then a two for the middle and then the three. And then for the bottom part, you use a zero and then just flick it. Oh, okay. Always keep a comb in your hand. And keep the comb in my hand. Okay. To keep the hair kind of down, is that the... Well, to just get like the extra parts that you like didn't get. Or it won't look even. Gotcha. This is very helpful because I feel like I thought I was supposed to just run one kind of all the way around and achieve that like fade. But you're saying I should use the different guards and get a nice, a nice faded look on the back. Yeah, just go layers. Like one, like at a time. One, two, three. One in the first, uh, the two in the middle, and the three for the last part. And then the last part, uh, you just for you use a zero and you just flick it around and get a nice little line there, a nice like tidy um, edge. Yeah. So Nijay, hi, my name is Dan, and I have a question for you. I know that before the coronavirus, you were cutting the hair of a lot of adults in your community because you do free haircuts. Uh, in your community in Philadelphia. I'm really curious if now that you are stuck in your home, if you have been cutting the hair of any people in your home, either your mom, Jamie, is she cutting your hair or or anyone else in your house? No. <laughs> Sounds like you're not happy about that, Nija. <laughs> well, I'm, you know what? I might just, listen, with everything that's going on, I might just give her an opportunity to shave all of my 
my hair and I might just go, <laughs> go I might just go bald <laughs> and start from scratch. But Nije did have an opportunity to cut her grandfather's hair this past Sunday. So that was quite interesting. And uh, we're hoping that uh, within the next couple of days that um, my son and, you know, Nije's brother will allow her to cut his hair. He's 18. So you know how 18 year olds can be. Nije, do you ever feel nervous when you're cutting adults hair? I think a lot of people who are listening who are kids who want to cut adults hair might be sort of nervous about well, what do I do with this big person's head that's in front of me? No. Uh, how do you get over that nervousness? I never get nervous. Perfect. Why? Is it because you just, you know what to do? Yeah. I love it. I think the worry that some kids have is that they don't know what to do and they're worried they'll make a mistake. Have you ever made a mistake while you have been cutting someone's hair? To be honest, yes. So what do you do when you make a mistake? Ask Mr. Boom to fix Your it. instructor? Yeah. I think one thing that I sometimes do if I make a mistake and I think it's not that big of a mistake is I'll just maybe tell the person, oh, you can hardly see it. Have you ever done that? No, I mean, you're too. To me, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's just a haircut. So, Yes, that is exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking. That's a great attitude to have. I think more of us should have that attitude. I mean, especially now, right? It's, it's just hair. It'll grow back, right? Yeah. What do you like about being a barber? Doing like the shape up and the fade. Nije, can I ask you a question? In what you've practiced, have you only practiced cutting men's hair? No, I have cut a female before. How did that go and how was it different? Well, it wasn't really different. It was the same thing because she had the same like textured hair. Well, not texture, but like she say had the same species of men's hair. Mm -hmm. So I did mohawk for the first time. Oh, that's so cool. What did you learn about doing a mohawk? Because I think that's going to be a very popular hairstyle for kids to do right now. Well, I just have to fade the size and then this like, like that part in the middle will be there. Did she seem happy with her mohawk when it was over? Yeah. I expected it to be like curly, but it wasn't, her hair was not curly. So to me, yeah. Jamie, I have a question for you. You seem like such an amazing mom, like encouraging her to pursue something she was super interested in, or even just expressed Mm -hmm. a little bit of interest. Do you have advice for other parents who like their kids take an interest in haircutting, like how to get them started in that? Absolutely. I think it's so important to kind of really study your children and see what they're drawn to. And to also, um, if you can, expose them to different things just to kind of see where their mind goes and then kind of nurture that. Because if you don't, you're going to wind up pretty much having to struggle with your child. And that's not something you want to do. Like, so I've learned a lot in this process with my son. Normally, I would have said, listen, no, you're going to do this. But for some reason, I just said, no, okay, you don't want to do it. (laughs) That's fine. And I was looking at pictures from the barber orientation on Instagram. And Nije, I showed her the pictures because she was drawn to the pictures because her brother was in them. You know, that opened up dialogue. 
And, you know, actually when I signed her up, I didn't even tell the instructor how old Nije was because I didn't want to kind of put that barrier there. So we just showed up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. Study your children. See what they're, they're not going to like everything, but at least if you can kind of expose them to different things, I'm sure there's something that they'll like. I think it's so wonderful to be able to nurture that and that you were open to her like interests. Cause I, um, I think, you know, a lot of times we think like, oh, you're too little or you don't understand or this. So I just love that you signed her up and you opened those doors for her. Right. Because my thing is this. Okay. She was seven at the time. Of course, she's not going to take it all in. I mean, we just can't expect that. You know, most trained barbers, they're still, you know, in the process of learning. But just having her in certain environments has really benefited her because all of the information that she's taking in goes into her subconscious. So, you know, at some point she'll be able to pull on that information, even if she's not able to apply it now, she'll be able to apply it later on in her, you know, development. And not only that, this particular industry has helped her in her personal life as well, because with barbering, you have to focus, you know, you have to start what you finish. You can't start a haircut and not complete it. Nijay, I have one last question for you. Okay. Let's say that my daughter, who is only a little bit older than you, wants to cut my hair. I also have a buzz cut. Can you just sort of tell me step-by-step, how should she start? Where should I sit? Should, what should I have on my shoulders? How would you do that if you were cutting a grown-up's hair in your house? Well, it depends what kind of hair it is, first of all. Mm-hmm. So what would your daughter be giving you exactly? She'd be giving me basically a buzz cut in my kitchen. What tools would she need and what would, what would be the first thing that she would do? Okay, first off, you need like a couple supplies. The first supplies you need clippers, of course. Uh, you also need a cape and uh, what is it called? Also a neck strip. So the neck strip is basically for your neck so like you won't get like hair splinters. What could you use for that if you don't have like a real barber's neck strip, like a piece of paper? A paper towel. If you didn't have a cape, you would like use a blanket maybe or something like that. Oh, that's a good idea. Or maybe a towel. Okay. So she puts those on me. And you also need a comb. And then you just, you have the comb in one hand. Yeah. Whatever hand you write with, you put the clippers in that hand and you put the comb in the other hand. So I'm basically right-handed and I use my right hand and I put the clippers on my right hand and I use the comb for my left hand and you do the opposite if you're left-handed. And you want the hair to be clean in the clippers and you need like a certain spray. What does the clean in the clippers mean? Clipper side, uh, yeah. If the comb drops, you need this like blue take and you put the comb in it, and then if you have another comb in there, you pick that out and just wipe it a little bit on the towel and you use that one. What if you don't have that in your house? Could you do that with water? Yes. Okay, good. Hot soapy water. And soap. Okay. You are a treasure. Thank you so much, Nijay, for coming on the show. Thank you, Jamie. Like, wow. I'm just, I'm inspired. Also a treasure. Also a treasure. And I don't Thank know you. how my co-host, but my kid is getting a job tonight when she comes home. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Well, the show isn't over yet. It's time for recommendations. Dan, what do you have for us this week? 
This week, I am recommending a slate piece, a slate cover story, which ran this week on Tuesday. It was collected by Laura Bennett, who is, I mean, technically she's my boss, but it's okay. I'm I'm not just brown nosing. It's a really great story, which I think that any parent of a college student or of someone who is soon to be in college should read. It's called Zoom Pranks on Professors, Wild PowerPoint Parties, and A Billion Memes. We asked students all around the country how they're recreating campus life from afar. And it's just a collection of stories from students at a bunch of different colleges around the country, one at Spelman, one at NYU, um, one at Arizona State, one at Michigan State, just about what college life has been like in this crazy, misbegotten spring semester of 2020, and how they have managed to sort of create for themselves the fun and love and mischief of the college experience, even though it's a shit show, even though they have to do their classes on Zoom, even though they can't be in their dorms, because kids are amazing and because kids find a way, they have still managed to create a a memorable and great college experience for themselves. And I just found this article so heartening and found the voices of these kids so engaging and fun and just loved seeing the crazy shit that they're coming up with and just made me feel so much better about how people can really make this time, which seems so hard, still seem great in a lot of ways. And I love this piece. So we'll put a link up on the show page. Great one, Dan. What about you, Elizabeth? I'm recommending an activity and sort of service project that you can do as a family. And this is sending cards to senior centers. We did do our research and the CDC, World Health Organization, and the Surgeon General have all indicated that there is currently no evidence that the COVID-19 is being spread through the mail. So you can send in your cards and not worry about making anyone unhealthy so that they can just receive the love without any of the germs. We started by just using our neighborhood group to find out who had people that maybe needed cards and making art as a family. And then Jeff and I and also our eight-year-old writing little letters and sending them. For the past few weeks, we've been doing this now through a charity called Love for the Elderly. And you can make a bunch of cards and then they are sending the packets to nursing homes that are affected or have people in lockdown. We've heard back from a couple of the people there, which is super fun, sending us letters and just hearing from the staff too that they're hanging them up. And it's just a fun way. We've been doing it um, on Sunday, just together as a family, like I said, painting the cards, using arts and crafts, like even the three-year-old draws on the front of the cards. And then we take the time during the week to write the letters. But it's a really nice way, especially if you're a family that got out and was doing service and now you feel like there's not a lot of opportunities for that. This has been a fun little way for us to try to brighten someone else's day. And that's a great idea. That, that, that's super beautiful, Elizabeth. I love that. And I think a lot of us have been trying to think of ways to be helpful and supportive of other people while not being able to get out and, and do that sort of stuff face to face. So I love that. All right. Well, I'm recommending I Don't Want to Die Poor. It's a new book of essays from the New York Times bestselling author, Michael R. Snow, who's a brilliant writer. He's a very, very funny guy. Michael's first book, I Don't Want to Date Jesus, is actually slated to become a television show that Michael is developing with Lee Daniels and Jared Carmichael. Uh, So happy and and proud of his success, my Howard University bison brother and friend. So please check that out. I don't want to die for awesome, awesome book. I just started it, but I believe that it'll be awesome all the way through, just like Dan's book that I promised I was going to have a Facebook conversation about, but I was like, I just enjoyed it. I don't really know how to like lead a book discussion. I'm absolutely terrible at that, but I did enjoy it. So I'm also- You're forgiven as you've plugged it thoroughly. Okay, good. Thank you. I did my part. 
I just want to make sure Lyra has some nice things when she comes to stay with me. She's got, you know, nice sneakers in the backpack. So plenty of dots, plenty of dots. Right. She's going to bring so many dots. <laughs> she's going to bring so many. Oh my gosh. She's going to get my daughter hooked she's on gonna dots. She's going to finish him on the plane. Dan. <laughs> That's what we learned. <laughs> You're right. And they don't get, they're not going to be able to give you food on the plane anymore. So she's going to have to eat them on it. Like, they'll be like, I was just hungry. It It was a five hour flight. They didn't feed us. So what was I to do? And then you'll pick her up at the airport in your new car. And I'll pick her up in my new car that Elizabeth's husband is going to help me buy. (laughs) All right. Thank you all so much for listening to Mom and Dad are Fighting. God willing and the creek don't rise. We will be here next week. And as a reminder, if you have a question for us, shoot us an email, slate.com and join us on Facebook by searching for Slate Parenting and asking our permission. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Dan Kwa, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.